0: All right, back once again here. It's Jimmy B and TC with you until 6 o'clock tonight. And as we do each and every week, time to talk once again to our man Wolfgang. Wolfgang, three day weekend just about upon us. You got big plans for Memorial Day
1: weekend? Uh, hang out with family, hang out with kids, and uh, watch some NBA, potentially some hockey. You know, looking forward to it. Hockey? Are you a hockey guy? I'm not. Uh, but I'm with some. I'm going to be with two people that like I've always wanted to watch like sports that I didn't grow up on. I don't know about you, but you probably grew up on every sport. It sounds like, but like that I didn't grow up with. Like for instance, I can watch soccer and get what's going on there. That like most people, if you didn't play it or didn't watch it growing up, they would have no idea what's going on. But I'm going to be watching hockey with a couple guys that grew up watching it. You know, love the sport. So I'm actually really looking forward to. That's good.
0: Get, getting that hockey knowledge at Hockey Base. So, well, I got a story for you as it pertains to hockey. Now, where I grew up, nobody played hockey for the most part. If you wanted to play hockey, you had to go over to Mason City, as you know, and uh, <laughs> had to go play with the uh, the high school team over there. There were a couple of guys that played, though. A couple of guys that had moved to Osage and things like that. But the one thing, Wolfgang, is hockey, at least for me, started to become a little bit more relevant in the late 80s early 90s and now whenever I wanted to watch a game on ESPN I had to go to my grandma's house because we didn't have cable because we we're poor so I had to go over to grandma's house and I was able to watch watch ESPN so whenever the Hawkeyes were on during basketball or football season I went over to grandma's and watched the game and she's a big sports fan so uh, we'd watch the games together so one night I'm over at grandma's and I tell her I want to watch a hockey game there there was hockey on I think it was maybe a Friday night Friday Night Hockey, ESPN. She goes, you know nothing about hockey. We are not watching hockey. Absolutely not. I'm going to watch my story. So she flipped on uh, her replay of of Young and the Restless, and instead that's what we watch. (laughs) So the next time I come to Grandma's, I had studied up up on hockey, and I told her all the rules, and I explained icing and and what it all was and who was good and, and teams that were good in the league that year. So my grandma would let me watch hockey. So I got into it during that time. That led to uh, my f- infatuation with the Florida Panthers. That was my team for a little while. I was a Panthers fan. The North Stars were moving away, so I had to have a team. I went with the Florida Panthers and John Van Beesbrook and, and their run to the finals a couple years after being a, an expansion team. So I used to really like hockey, but I went away for a long time. And I'll watch it at this time. I'm glad we got a good story, though. And, and that's where I want to go with you today is stories, because we have this storyline of the expansion Vegas Golden Knights. First year of existence, playing in the Stanley Cup Final. It's a great story. Last year, I enjoyed the story of Nashville, this place in the Sun Belt where hockey really doesn't matter, but you had the country music stars that were there, the fan base that was crazy, going out there, smashing cars before games. It, it It was a great story, if there's a story, and I don't know a ton about the sport, and that's hockey for me, I can get into it. How important are stories to you, Wolfgang?
1: That is totally it. And I don't think it's just because I'm trying to take like You know, I went on with John Miller once or twice, done podcast, now I'm on with you twice a week. So I'm trying to think before that, but I've always rooted for the story. Like I want to see, I want something to talk about, something that makes me feel something, especially this time of year. You need something. So the Vegas story is interesting to me, uh, Trent, watching this whole thing. And I'm trying to think as not a guy that grew up watching hockey, not a guy that is totally into it, but I'm looking to. I'm, look, I'm looking for a reason. I'm going to be watching it with people that are passionate about it, so I'm looking for that. But the Vegas angle, Trent, I'm trying to look at it from like a basketball point of view or an NFL point of view. Like if you're a, you're a Bears fan mm-hmm. or, you know, if you're a Timberwolves fan, okay, like you are. I'm trying to think, are you pissed off right now that Vegas is really, really good and it took one year for them to get there? Or are you looking at them going, I love it. I love the fact that they can, you know, evaluate talent. If I'm like a Bulls fan back in the 90s, which I was with B.J. Armstrong, uh, Trent, I'm pissed right now. I'm really pissed that, oh, they just took two of my players. Oh, they took one of the Pistons. They took one of the Celtics. They took one of this. What does Ken Miller say? What is Ken Miller saying? Is he, like, happy for them, or is he going, this is bogus, man? What's he, what's he
0: saying? He, well, for him, he doesn't like it one bit because this team knocked off his jets. So <laughs>
1: yeah, he, okay, he, but you see what I'm saying, though. You understand right. my question.
0: No, I, I think he, he likes the story, and, you know, I asked Ken about this, and he kind of helped me along. Could this happen in another sport? i NBA-wise, not a chance. In the NBA, you have to have stars. And, and they are not going to be unprotected stars that could lead a team to There's the finals.
1: No You're, there is no way that could happen, right? There's no way.
0: Not, not in basketball. In I base, can't
1: even see that even possible.
0: In baseball, I, I think it would be incredibly difficult. You'd have to supplement. But plausible. Plausible that they could be a playoff team and they get hot and, and make a run. Because we've seen in baseball, that's all it takes. You get in. Anything can happen in baseball. We've seen that happen so many times in the playoffs here as of late. The other sport, though, is football. And, and on the surface, I, I think a lot of people would say, well, no shot. Well, we don't have to go back very far. The, well, before Cleveland, the two expansion candidates, Jacksonville and Carolina, mm-hmm. they did. Jacksonville got to an AFC championship game in year number two. Carolina was in a Super Bowl. I think in year number four, and they were in the NFC Championship game in year number two. That was incredibly quick. So it can happen quickly in other sports. But year one, year one is just what takes us to a complete... These guys have never played together. These were guys that were not protected from each and every team. That's what makes this just so wild and crazy.
1: So the fact that Ken likes that surprises me. That he just got his team run out by a first-year team. See, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, you know, if I were, like, if I were, a, you know, a talent evaluator for whatever sport, and I'm, like, looking at guys, and I'm looking at, you know, I'm bringing this guy in. Why? You know, we place them somewhere, and, and they get better, and they get better, and they get better. And then somebody comes and just takes them off. I've, that would make me so angry I couldn't even, like, speak coherently. It would It would be ridiculously how mad I would be. But it sounds like this is a feel-good story that everybody likes. I don't have a hockey team that I love. If I did, I'm guessing I'd be looking at this mad, going, this, this ain't cool. This ain't cool that you can come here, take the players that I saw, that I liked, that I went and saw, this is what I like about them, this is what I don't like about them, and they decided to take them from us, and we never had them. I didn't maybe you know, think that they were going to be that good right off the bat. That's why I got them. That's why I drafted them. That's why it's great for them. But the fact that they, they come over and get them right off the bat, so I, I get why it's a great story. It is. So I love this. I love coming on with you talking about this. But at some point, I'm I'm just wondering if there aren't fans. And you're telling me, I mean, Ken, there's no bigger hockey fan mm-hmm. than Ken right now, right? I right. can't believe in Iowa. And you're telling me he's cool with that. And his team just got beat by them.
0: The other thing that I, I wonder about is... The fluky nature of, of hockey, because when you watch hockey, a lot of times it's just not a beautiful slap shot that scores the goal, it's a deflection, it's guy in a crease and, and you know, it just, there, there's a fluky element. You can watch a hockey game and you'll see a team seemingly dominating the game, yet they don't score, and, and that happens a multitude of times. And, and you put what they have in the back end of Marc-Andre Fleury, one of the best goalies in the game. And that's also a piece of it here. But the the other part that's baffling, so Ken brought this up to me. William Carlson led uh, Vegas in goal score. This is a guy, 25 years old, you know, a, a decent prospect, but he was unprotected from Columbus. So this is what he had done in his career to that point. Coming into this season, he had scored two goals, nine goals, and six goals. The three previous years, including the last two, where he played every single game, nine goals and six goals. He scores 43 this year, 43 goals. He has Wait, 78 how, points how are you as a whole. Explaining
1: that to me, I don't get that. How, why? What, what went there? What went on there?
0: Well, nobody could explain it.
1: That—that's what. So there's no. There's no theory there at all. I,
0: that, that from our hockey guy Ken Miller, he said, no, it's nearly impossible to explain how things like this happen. And these guys haven't played together. They—they just—they don't know where they're going to be. And and you know, whatever sport it is. You develop this sense of where guys are going to be, what they want, how you do it. You can't pick that up just in a training camp. It is years and years of learning what a guy wants. They didn't have that this year. And just another layer of how ridiculous this story is.
1: No, that makes me like it. Again, what are we rooting for? We're rooting for things that make us feel something. I think it's the best way to put it. I don't think you have to be a podcast dude or a radio guy or a sports writer or whatever. I think I root for things that make me feel something. Whether that's in hockey, but that just that sounds weird. Two goals, two goals, nine goals, and then forty something. It just that makes me like the story more because I was wondering if these teams just took these guys that were already good. It makes me like that story more that they're getting these guys. They saw something that wasn't happening at other places. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. That makes me actually like the story more. We're watching NBA now, um, and I'm sitting here going, "Do I root for Boston? No. Obviously, I like LeBron. I'm rooting for the storyline." What's the storyline? You know, we're going to get sick of it eventually, but we're rooting for greatness with LeBron. you want to see it, or do you? Because if he goes to the finals again, Trent, and loses, boom. There's another, you know, there's another thing that everybody's just going to put up against him. But had we known at the beginning of the series, Trent, and I'm telling you, I know LeBron. I've watched a ton of him, watched a ton of Michael, watched every game I could back in the day. I know LeBron, and I know when he sees things with his team, and he's just like, these guys suck. Did you see the last game? Like, all-time horrible, Trent. (laughs) His teammates were just horrible. Like, J.R. Smith had uh, two points. I think the other guy, the other uh, hill in the backcourt, had one field goal. It's just like, really? What are we watching here? So I'm rooting for, I want to see something that makes me feel something, so I guess I'm rooting for the Caps or the Finals. I truly believe that if LeBron knew, Houston was going to possibly win and make it to the finals because there would be at least a shot. They have zero shot against Golden State, Durant. I watched Golden State. I watched the Cavs. I've never seen a roster like Golden State has. If they lose, I'm not a, I not I think like Durant's an all-time, all-time great, and he's probably going to end up with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record after LeBron gets it if he stays long enough. But, I mean, I will never respect him again. If you lose with that talent. So, I mean, there's so many fun storylines with the NBA. I know you're not a huge NBA guy, but if you sit here and think of, like, what if LeBron wins these next two games, Trent, and somehow Houston, with Chris Paul and a bad hamstring, Mm -hmm. makes it to the finals, and Chris, you know, Chris Paul is not healthy. I mean, you might actually have something. LeBron might actually win another championship, there is that. I told you last week, I was like, I don't know what we're rooting for in the NBA besides the injury. That's how good the Warriors are. They have so much talent. It's sick, Grant. It's like I don't even, they would destroy the Cavs in four games and probably win them by four, like 20 points every single time. That's how good they are. That's how good they match up with the Cavs. Well, Houston, it's a different lineup. It's, that's what we always say, matchups. You know, that's why you don't give up. Mr. Uh, LeBron, you can tell when he does. You can tell he just says, "Why even bother?" Which yeah. I get. I get. It. He hasn't given up. He wins the next two games. Guess what? Maybe they're in the finals. When we got something, they're going to get they They going against, you know, um, the Warriors. There's no even. There's not even a reason to watch, Trent. There's no reason to watch the Cavs versus Warriors. And it's matchups. It's what we always talk about, Trent. Matchups.
0: They don't match up well, but without Igadala this is a different team, and, and how healthy Gadala would be for an NBA Finals that is still to be determined. When he comes back, what how effective he's going to be? Because you take him away, and all of a sudden you're you're putting in, you know, Looney, Kevin Looney. I mean, it's that's a different team, right?
1: Well, so what storyline? Let's stick with that. What storyline are you rooting for in the NBA playoffs? Here, are you rooting for? the Warriors, and then you see a little KD versus LeBron, which, well, then everybody will say, you know, KD's the best now because LeBron's going against four Hall of Famers, which is just ridiculous, which I saw coming, and I think LeBron did too. What if Houston wins? Then we actually have something. It might be kind of fun. What do you, What are you rooting for in these NBA playoffs, if, if anything?
0: Uh, in the beginning, I was just give me Warriors, Cavs, 4, and I'm good to go. And however that plays out, we're good. I don't like watching James Harden play basketball. It is not aesthetic. Why? It's not aesthetically pleasing. I don't like the jumping into people. I just I don't like watching his game. But I do like Chris Paul. Now, what Chris Paul is going to be with that hamstring, we don't know. But something different I'm fine with. And the whoever comes out of these actually having a shot, which I think they would against a, a Rockets team with a banged up Chris Paul, as opposed to what the Warriors are. That's what I'm rooting for. So, yeah, I, I have come full circle now, and I am actually rooting for the Rockets, and, you know, that's going to mean Warriors win game six and seven, and we'll get Warriors, and they'll sweep whoever comes out of the East, and away we go. But the other thing that I was thinking about last night, so watching Kevin Durant do his thing, and, and Durant, as you also know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of him, as good of a scorer as he is.
1: Sure I'm not did know
0: that. Why not? Oh, it, just the, the way going to Golden State.
1: Oh, gotcha, yeah. Yeah, right.
0: I just, no, you you don't do that. And, I don't know, he plays a disrespect card, and he just, there. there's things about him that...
1: How about that he acts like a tough guy when he couldn't do, was it 185 pounds, the bench press at the combine? No, you it can be... one eighty five
0: You'd be a tough guy. Throw a punch. If you're a tough guy, throw a punch. How about doing one rep of (laughs)
1: 185? Yeah. I mean, that that,
0: that doesn't bother me that much. It's it's not that. It's just going to Golden State, a team that had won seventy some games, a team that, you know, just had everything set up. It just it annoys me. He annoys me in general too. So I'm I'm not a Durant guy. But I was thinking this last night. Okay. Steph Curry is one of my favorite players to watch. He is shooting from deep. The guy that, now, he's 6'3". I mean, people think of him as this little guy. He has actually got some good size to him, but the smaller guy that's out there scoring at elite levels, doing things, Steph Curry's so much fun. So much fun to watch. And I don't want to say Kevin Durant ruined Steph Curry, but he certainly took a lot of the enjoyment of Steph Curry away from me.
1: That is interesting. No, I mean, that's interesting. When you team... That's why I think the Golden State's so good. If they lose this, I'm just I'm gonna have so much um disrespect going towards Kevin Durant. It's pathetic. Like you said, he joined the team that beat Michael Jordan's uh regular season record. Went from uh, I think it was seventy three. They, they won seventy three games he goes and joins that team after they were beating Golden State three to one. Remember? And nobody remembers that. They were up on Golden State three to one when Kevin Durant was actually at OKC. Mm-hmm. So I get why people don't like him, but dude is an all-time great. I love watching his game. But, yeah, it does take away from a little bit of the, the Curry thing, which is so – I mean, golly, man, when he goes nuclear, it's mm-hmm. like nothing I've ever seen. And I don't mean he's the greatest ever. Or anything. That's not what I mean. I don't mean – because, I mean, if you watch this series, it's so funny to watch Trent, like a two-time MVP – Houston goes out of their way to find out who Curry's guarding. Think about that. Sure. that. Is that ridiculous? It's crazy. How do you win an MVP when, oh, we got to go with this guy. Oh, all right, let's do whatever we got to do up here, uh, kick and roll, whatever we got to do, make sure. Let's find out. I just want you on Curry. I want Curry to be guarding you. And that's a two-time MVP. But when he goes off like he did, what was that, the second? Or the third quarter, I believe it was, a couple games ago. It's, it's like almost nothing you've ever seen. That's what's fun. Again, the storyline, that's almost like we've never seen. You're, you're about my age, right? Mm-hmm. Have we seen, like, guys go off like that in that fashion from that range with a three-point line? I'm, I'm not saying he's the best ever. That's not what I'm saying at all. So people, stop. But when he goes off, when he's feeling it, it is like you, are, you feel like you're watching something that hasn't been seen ever.
0: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I I I completely get where you are, and and for me that I don't know, you you see it, but you don't see it nearly as often. It's just I don't know. It doesn't have the the same kind of feel that it once did. And
1: Curry last night, he was pretty good. But So if you're seeing I mean, you was right. So if you're seeing all time great teams go against each other. Like if you're seeing Lakers, Celtics, and let's say one player was on another team and then so you're seeing two great, great teams going against each other. Maybe, are you not giving Houston enough credit for how great they might be? From what I understand, the analytics are showing that they have the best offense in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Are you maybe not respecting that enough? Or you just, you just miss you know, Curry with having those moments all the time like he used to. He doesn't have them as many, you know, many times because they've got to spread the ball around.
0: Yeah, that, that's a part of it, and well, the Houston, you mentioned the offense and how good it is, and last night it wasn't. I mean, Harden was 0 of eleven from three. Paul. St- okay, how would
1: that go? How would that go over if LeBron went five of twenty-one from the field and 0 for eleven from three-point range?
0: It would okay. be terrible. Your boy Kevin Durant, eight of twenty-two, doesn't have an assist. Doesn't have an assist. No steals. I, you understand the
1: hypocrisy here, yeah, right?
0: Well, of course. Of
1: course. Well, it's, no, he, I, I read this Twitter stuff, and they think, do, do people realize how he is scrutinized? Yes. They talk about him all the time on ESPN or Fox or CBS or NBC. Yes. But he's also scrutinized for when he misses a free throw in the second quarter. Right. For when he, think about some of this stuff. Steph Curry two games ago, Trent, miss. let's see, miss a layup. Has anybody even brought that up? That was under a minute, right? He missed the layup, yeah. and then he had the last second shot, which he missed, but he didn't get off in time. Then this last game, he missed, what, it was a floater? With, anyway, it's just the hypocrisy. So, yes, people don't understand that LeBron James is actually underrated, because he is. He's actually underrated. I know that sounds ridiculous and stupid, and it's a hot take, and I get it. He is. He's actually underrated. He gets called out on every little minutia, just small stuff, Trent. And what you just said about Harden—can you imagine? Just people close your eyes. LeBron James goes five for twenty-one from the field and zero for eleven from the three-point line. Trent, they won. What do you think would happen if LeBron went five from twenty-one, five for twenty-one and zero for eleven from the three-point line? If for the Cavs, let's see, if he does that tonight? What would happen to the Cavs? Would, it, would they lose by 100 or 200? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it'd be one of those, two.
1: That's the most incredible thing I've ever... Just, I, I just realized how incredible that is. James Harden, the MVP, went 5-for-21, 0-for-11, and they beat what I consider one of the best constructed rosters I've ever seen in my life. Can you believe that?
0: I can't. I can't, but that's the reality. When you have that kind of help around you, those kind of things can happen. You mean a son
1: of one-man one uh, team? Right. Which there was a this? guy named Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Horace Grant. I didn't know this. Okay.
0: All right. Let's get out of here with this. Tonight, does your boy LeBron extend the series and give us a Game 7?
1: Yes. You watch what you're about ready to see. Because you know what? He thinks maybe Houston has a chance now. Ah. Uh, so you're about ready to see. Yeah. He, All it, right. I, I don't think – you understand he's going for the ghost. So we can sit here and say the Kobe thing. Kobe was never, you know, he copied Jordan. Jordan fans were not worried about Kobe. They're Mm -hmm. worried about LeBron. They feel a little bit like what people are talking about. He's going to break every record in the world. He's got a shot at, you know, probably five championships, maybe six. We'll see if he decides to go to the right team. So this is going to be fun. He sees it now. What if Houston wins? What if Chris Paul's hamstring actually is bothering him? We got a shot because they have zero shot against Golden State, even if they have... Iguodala, and Curry Hurt. I still would take Golden State over. Well, I'm not sure about Houston. They haven't seen LeBron a lot. Golden State has. They know him. They understand. They understand the team and what they want to do. Houston doesn't. This could be fun, man. You might see some history tonight and tomorrow. We'll see because I think LeBron wants to win now. I wasn't sure before. I really think he was fine with, eh, you know what, I don't want to be you know, I don't want another loss in the finals because people will hold that against me. I have no shot against Cold State. It could be fun, Trent. Seriously, again, storylines, we could see something that we haven't seen quite very often.
0: Good stuff. All right, Wolfgang, we are out of time. You have a good weekend. We will uh, we'll run you down next week off on Monday, and uh, we'll talk to you earlier next week. Have a good one.
1: You bet, man. Let me know. See ya. Bye-bye.
0: Wolfgang checking in with us here. Jimmy B and TC with you until 6 o'clock tonight. We'll get the break. Coming back with more on the other side. Also coming up later in the program today, the Hawkeye Swarm. Dr. Stephen Fuller stopping by. We're going to take a look back here throughout the summer as we're doing Going back to 2004 this year, Iowa's last Big Ten title. We'll do that with Dr. Stephen Fuller of Fuller Family Dentistry. And the Hawkeye Swarm coming up a little bit later on in the program as we get the timeout here back with more in a moment. Hawkeye Swarm on 1700 KBGG as we talk with Dr. Stephen Fuller from Fuller Family Dentistry about the world of the Iowa Hawkeyes here during the offseason taking a look back. Some of the great seasons, great moments, experiences that me, growing up a Hawkeye fan, Dr. Fuller's a Hawkeye fan, have have been able to live. And, Doc, we're going back in the way-back machine. It doesn't feel like it should be the way-back machine. 14 years ago to 2004, the Iowa Hawkeyes won, well, what has been their only Big Ten title over the last 14 years as uh, they came back and got a share of things with the win against Wisconsin at the end of the regular season. 2004, Doc, I was still in college screwing around, you know, being a moron, had a very good time during that season, watched a lot of good football, and, and quite the turnaround of a season from the Hawks that year.
2: Oh, it was. I mean, uh, we started off uh, with Kent State and looked like, you know, gangbusters, but who's Kent State? Right. But, uh, you know, we got them at 39-7, to 7 and then uh, we had our sister uh, uh, university, Iowa State, and we... We beat them seventeen to ten, so you know everything uh, started to look, uh, you know, quasi-rosy. Mm-hmm. You know, here we are two and zero, and and uh, and then all of a sudden we went to an Arizona State, and and uh, we got kind of shellacked, for lack of a better term
0: one of the ugliest games that i have ever seen in person uh it it started in a weird weird fashion now again i told you i was in college i probably had way too many cocktails i'm in arizona i'm a young guy (laughs) we're having fun but then as we're tailgating game's not going to start in time because there's lightning going on and that just threw everything into just a, a weird start I would play terribly. They couldn't do anything offensively. Their only touchdown came from Walter Bellius, who returned a punt late, late in that game, with a couple minutes left. But that, when you talk about some of the worst games in Kirk Ferentz's tenure, that's got to be up towards the top of the list.
2: Oh, it does. I mean, you know, that was just really strange. And uh, you know, how do you how do you do that? And and he uh, then we then we came back the following week. And we had to play. It was one of those uh oh games, <laughs> and it turned into an uh oh game. We got Michigan, you know, yes, and, yeah, and yeah. Oh, and then, you know, they were rated at the time, and and uh, you know, we ended up getting beat seventeen to thirty, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, and you know, they they lost that game, but from the week before against Arizona State to Michigan, and Michigan at the time was just rolling along under Lloyd Carr, and year after year they were winning Big Ten titles. Even though they lost by a couple of scores, they were in the game. Drew Tate had his helmet knocked off in that play, took the shot down the field. Now they blow the play dead. But it it felt like even there it was like, okay, we're not as bad as we looked the week before. And then it just started to snowball, and they picked up momentum. But this is a year that it was Drew Tate. It was Drew Tate. I mean, you know, he he
2: took the team on his back, and, you know, we started off – Two and two, and and uh, finished the season uh, ten and two, seven and one in the Big Ten, uh, with our only loss being to Michigan. I mean, we rattled off uh, uh, some really good wins there, and uh, and and the you know then we beat Lat- the year before, the prior year uh, national champion mm-hmm. uh, LSU uh, with uh, probably the one of the most memorable uh, uh, plays to end the game. And I have a great picture of uh, the LSU sideline, so uh, you know, <laughs> you you can just tell uh, that they weren't real happy.
0: <laughs> Not at all. That that was a lot of fun, and uh, that day down in Orlando. So I was uh, up in the press box for that one, as I was doing my radio show at the at the time in, in college. And so I was up there, of course you don't know, no cheering in the press box, and I abided by that. But uh, there were a couple of claps and a couple of applause up there from from a couple of the, maybe not exactly media members, but, but people that were cheered for the Hawkeyes that day.
2: Well, how couldn't you? I mean, you know, my gosh, uh, uh, you last play of the game and you're like, oh my gosh, aren't they watching the time? <laughs> Please call timeout. Right. Timeout. Yes. Timeout. Yes. And, and, All of a sudden, he just drew Tate, reared back and threw that ball. And uh, Holloway caught that ball and sprinted to the end zone and for his first collegiate touchdown. I mean, uh, what a storybook, uh, ending to uh, his career Mm -hmm. and uh, to the
0: University of Iowa's uh, 2004 season. Another one of my favorite memories of that year was the final game of the regular season, and Iowa needed a little bit of help that year. They, they needed Ohio State to beat Michigan. That happened earlier in the day. So it set up the winner of Iowa-Wisconsin playing for a share of the Big Ten title. And Wisconsin came in very good, as, as you'd expect under Barry Alvarez. But the way that Iowa dominated that football game, and started off very rough... Tate threw a couple of interceptions, the first two possessions, and uh, here we go. But the second half, they got on a roll. That environment that day in Kiddick was as good as you're going to find. And uh, In fact, one of the last times I was ever on the field before uh, the upsets against Michigan-Ohio State the last two years was that game. Winning a Big Ten title, they brought the trophy out onto the field. Kirk put it up there, uh, just capping off. A great turnaround to that season.
2: Yeah, and they beat uh, the Badgers, uh, what thirty to seven? And uh, if I remember right, Wisconsin scored first. And we if I remember right, uh, and you you thought, oh my gosh, here we go, you know? And uh, we'd beaten, uh, you know, Ohio State. We beat Penn State, you know, and, and those were all good teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know are we going to get the brass ring this time? You know, (laughs) and, uh, uh, you know, drew Tate and, and the gang, they, they did what they had to do and, and they shut down,
0: uh, uh, Wisconsin and and we left Kinnick uh, with a thirty to seven win. It was a great one. Uh, also that year, you mentioned the win over Penn State. That was the infamous six to four game, the pitchers' duel. <laughs> as uh, well, the Hawkeyes got it done with a three run homer. Couple of them yeah, gave and up we a did, couple of safeties,
2: and we didn't tackle our quarterback. Didn't. or tackle our <laughs> kicker. I mean, <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. Uh, what a season, two thousand four. It was the last of uh, Kirk Ferentz's Big Ten titles. Let's hope that changes here in the next couple of years, Doc. Well,
2: we all hope that, and, uh, you know, uh, it's sure a sad thing to see uh, two of our uh, guys uh, leave early for the NFL, but Mm -hmm. good for them. Kudos for them, and uh, you always think, gee, what would we be this season if we had those two guys back?
0: It's a very good thought.
2: You know? We all have to reshuffle the deck and and start over, and mm-hmm. and uh, I'm expecting some good things out of the Hawkeyes uh, in the 2018 campaign.
0: Well, we'll start to preview that coming up this summer here on the Hawkeye Swarm on 1700. That's Dr. Stephen Fuller with Fuller Family Dentistries with two locations: East 29th Street in Des Moines and Eighth Street Southwest in Altoona. Doc, we will do it again next week. Thank you. All right, have a good week. Well, always fun there, going down memory lane with Dr. Fuller and talking about you know everything going on in Hawkeye athletics. We're going to be doing this throughout the season. We've looked back some past seasons, great quarterbacks, our favorite places to uh, go in terms of stadiums in the Big Ten. Got a lot of other things up on the horizon, but the biggest reason for the Hawkeye Swarm presented by Fuller Family Dentistry is for a great event, and it is an event called the Iowa Mission of Mercy. What it is, it's a a two-day community dental clinic where dental professionals from across the state of Iowa, along with volunteers, they come together and they provide dental care for people that don't have dental insurance, don't have the means for it, and help them out. They have helped over the last 10 years, totaling, free dental care, totaling over $8.5 million. It's the Iowa Mission of Mercy A great event. If you can help out, certainly lend your cause either as a volunteer or financially. All the information you can find on iowadental.org or just Google Iowa Mission of Mercy. It'll come out there and find how you can help out. Event this year is going to be happening in October. It'll be in Sioux City. Coming back here to the Des Moines area very, very soon. This is year number 11 for the Iowa Mission of Mercy. And helping out getting that out there and helping out recoup some of the costs as they give out over a million dollars a year uh, now with the last couple of seasons, and going to be doing that again in Sioux City. It's happened in Cedar Rapids. It's happened here in Des Moines. I'll be coming back very soon. You can down, donate online again, org with all the information for the Iowa Mission of Mercy and uh, that 2004 Iowa football season. I mean, the two and two start. The just absolute train wreck we talked about down at Sun Devil Stadium against Arizona State. You get throttled 44-7, to You only score, Walner Belnius with a punt return late, late in that football game. But that was also the year of the 6-4 to win at Penn State. The emotion of that game. You know, for a lot of people, they still point to that really the first time they saw emotion really grip Kirk Ferentz. And there were other moments, certainly, before that. But that one took it to a completely different level and then culminating with a great win at Kinnick Stadium to to uh, get the regular season title, beating Wisconsin, and then finishing it off with the win against LSU. I was in the press box for that one. No cheering in the press box. I did not cheer. Not the case for everybody that was up in the press box for the win at the Capital One Bowl and the Magic City Miracle over LSU. in the final game at LSU for Nick Saban before he moved on and went to the NFL and the Miami Dolphins. Fun memories, as always, always great catching up. And we'll do this again each and every week with Dr. Stephen Fuller throughout this summer with our Hawkeye Swarm. A lot more happening there. We're working on a couple of different things. Going to have a great event coming up again in uh, conjunction with the Iowa Mission of Mercy. Some tickets, a few other things. Keep your eye out here on 1700, and we'll keep you up to date on that going forward. But we are due for a break. We'll come back and uh, put a cap on things next. Jimmy B will jump back in, and when he does, we'll take a look at tonight. Is there a Game 7 out east? Is there a Game 7 out west? What happens? Stanley Cup will make our predictions as the game is Monday. Speaking of those Stanley Cup finals, you can hear them here on 1700. Three-day weekend, we got one segment to go. We'll
3: do it next here. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment here on a Friday, a Memorial Day weekend coming up for everybody, including us. Always a good thing, Trent, when we get that extra day off. And as you would say, it's always a good thing because you don't have to deal with me. But I'm okay with that, all right?
0: Yeah, that's that's the best thing of the weekend, not having to (laughs) deal with Brinson for an extra day in there. No, I'm I'm looking forward to this weekend for a lot of different reasons, of course. Great weather, Memorial Day weekend, three-day weekend. Those are always nice, Jimmy B. But I mean, we got so much good sports that are going to be going on. We get Game yep. Six tonight. We'll get Game Six tomorrow in the Western Conference Finals. NHL gets started on Monday night. So you got that going on. You got the Indy 500. I want to start right there, in fact, because okay, you're an old timer. I'm getting to be an old timer <laughs> <laughs> compared yeah, to okay. to Betty out there. So growing up for me I mean the Indy 500 that was Memorial Day weekend that that was the uh-huh. event of the weekend yep. and and it's dissipated over the last 20 25 years so much it just isn't a big deal this will be the final year though of it being on ABC you talk about the end of an era. You know, the Masters on CBS, it seems like yep. you know, everybody has their place. The Indy 500, that's always on ABC. And after 54 years, uh, that won't be the case after this one. So uh, for that reason alone, I'm at least going to take a peek at it and, and, and watch a little bit at the very least. But Indy 500, Jim, t- take us back in the Wayback Machine because I know what a big deal it once was.
3: Well, it really was a, a big deal. I, I mean, you had the, the drivers were like Mario Andretti. And, and then his first son uh, came came out and, and was spectacular. And then the other son, Marco. Uh, I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. And Chip Danassi and all of these people that have been involved in the Indy 500 and the drivers. I'm telling you when you were the winner of the Indy 500 back in the day, you were revered as a master sportsman. It's not the same anymore. IndyCar, when they split and you had cart on one side and IndyCar on the other, it totally ruined the sport. And so now it just is what it is, which is unfortunate. But some people will know Helio Castro Novis and, and 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 drivers like that, but it just doesn't have the same cachet, and it's too bad. And you're right, Trent, because back in the day, when you only had like three networks—ABC, CBS, NBC—that was it. Mm-hmm. That's what you had, and and the race was on on Memorial Day weekend. I mean, that was must-watch TV absolute must watch TV and now I I think that there are so many other things and people are so involved in so many other things as well that I think the race will still draw a good number and I think one of the reasons is Danica Patrick's going to run in it it will be her last race she's retiring from racing after this race so I think some folks will tune in just for the Danica factor just to see how she does but to be honest with you it's with with the way the world is and you can get all the information that you want on your phone now you don't have to be glued to the tv and you can go off and do whatever you want flip it on your phone with an app or whatever, and boom, you can check in with it for five or six minutes, check out, go do what you wanted to do, come back an hour later, it's its its just the way the world is, and from that aspect, even though I think they'll have a monster crowd for the race, It's just not the same as it used to be.
0: No, it isn't. It's just one of those things, boxing, you know, we've talked about in the past. Yep. uh, How what a big deal that was in in IndyCar racing. Just, it's not what it was. and Too bad, but you talk to people that have been there before. Have you ever been to an Indy 500, Joe? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, I've gone let me think here, I've gone to three. Three on location that I have covered actually been working for a TV station there. Yes, and and it's it's a great time, and it is. And I'm not a real gearhead. Um, I can't even I can check the oil, but don't ask me to change it. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Uh, I know that there's water in the radiator. I know that. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But and and I know how to put a tire on. I can change a tire if I get a flat tire. I can do that. So, but that's about it. That's my expertise. Now, I love to drive cars. You know, you know I got a sports car. Yep. And 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 it's and it's a manual on the floor so I can still bang through gears. I I'm a gearhead when it comes to driving. I just don't know much about them. I'm telling you when you go to Indy and you're trying to come up with stories and you're talking to drivers and mechanics and crew chiefs and owners i did an interview one time now this is years ago with chip ganassi and chip uh lived in pittsburgh and he was a driver back then and i had an opportunity to hang with him for like five or six hours on his day and we turned it into like about a four or five minute feature now back then that was long so these days now you get thirty for thirty, and, but back back in the day when you only had the half-hour newscast or the hour newscast, a four to five-minute feature story was uh, absolutely unheard of. Mm-hmm. And I did the story on Chip Ganassi and the things that the drivers did back then. Trent he was working on the car. He was checking everything. I, I, it, it was it was unbelievable all the things that he had to know and have knowledge of, and then, of course, be able to take it out and run at 200 miles an hour. So these days, now with all the technicians and the way that the cars are, uh, the driver can pretty much count on racing the car, and, and that's it. So the sport has changed dramatically from the engines to everything else, the tires, everything. What hasn't changed is the Indy 500 track. And if you haven't been there, Trent, they have a golf course inside the track. What? There, yeah. There's about four or five holes inside the golf course at the track. Yes. Look it up. I am. I. I yeah. I, I, I got to look. Yes. Yeah. 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 Look it up. There it is. And the, the brick yeah. crossing. Yeah. Yeah. There's about four or five holes inside. That shows you how big it is. It's a two-and-a-half-mile oval. Yeah. So when you go there, you want to go, A, when the race is on, and then you want to go again so you can play the golf course inside the track.
0: Absolutely. That's wild. Absolutely. Isn't that wild. great? That, that's Yeah. That's a good one. Well, I don't have a pick for this weekend. Again, I don't know enough about it, but I will be watching. I do got a pick tonight. Do
3: we get a Game 7 out east, Jimmy B.? Yes, we do. Right. I, I'm I'm not sold yet on the Celtics uh, on the road. Yep, we've seen we've seen yeps we've seen that story against Milwaukee and in the first two games in Cleveland we've seen that same story where they struggle. I look for Cleveland to play desperate basketball tonight. LeBron James will have to get help again. It's got to come from Kevin Love, but he's got to get help from J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver and Tristan Thompson. Otherwise, I think the game will be a lot closer than it should be. I cannot see LeBron James losing this game on his home court tonight.
0: That'll be Sunday night if we get a Game 7, and we anticipate, we've talked about this earlier, we're certainly going to get a Game 7 out west with uh, the Chris Paul news from earlier this morning. Finally, in our last 30 seconds, Jimmy B, your Stanley Cup pick, because it'll be
3: underway Monday night. I'm uh, excited for the Stanley Cup. Uh, I'm, I, I love the Vegas story and how good they are. A bunch of cast-offs with a hot goalie. But I'm going to go with Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. I just have this feeling that it's Ovi's time, finally. After all of the misses, year after year after year, I'm picking the Capitals, and I'll pick them in six games.
0: Six, they get it done. I'm going Vegas to get it done. The hot streak continues for them, and away we go. Well, speaking of the Stanley Cup, we have you covered with that here on 1700. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.